we think of Jesus as the better Moses. He's really peppering through the entire sermon how he is not against Moses to show the people who have been living under Mosaic law that he was actually the fulfillment, the completion of that law. This is Study with Friends, a weekly dive into the answers and questions we find in the Bible, the church, and the broader Christian faith. I'm Paige, and today we'll be learning about kingdom citizenship, as we'll be starting a new series focusing on the Sermon on the Mount as found in Matthew 5-7. through This series will be different in that it will be an eight-week study with five daily programs to help you study the Sermon on the Mount in a much deeper and more reflective way. If you want the study material or more information about this series or other resources we provide, you can find them all on our website, studywithfriends.org. Now, let's begin our study. God, thank you for bringing us get together. Thank you for the opportunity to sit and study your word. Thank you for your promise to meet with us as we do so. Would you order our words so that they would be glorifying to you? Would you bless the meditations of our hearts so that they would be honoring to you? And um, we ask you for some fresh insights from your Holy Spirit that we would leave this time more filled with you than we were when we sat to do it. We thank you again and we lift it all up in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm so excited. Okay. So welcome to the Sermon on the Mount study. We are jumping in today, just starting the whole thing. You can get the uh, printed materials on our website. This is, uh, as our, all of our studies are, it's a multimedia study. So you can do it in print, uh, audio podcasts, uh, YouTube, however you learn best. We hope that you find something that is appealing to you. Each of the episodes is, represents one day in the eight-week study, uh, and so let's jump in. Okay, so this is week one, and we're really setting the table for the study, um, as, and we're kicking it off. And so we're going to spend a lot of time on foundational things. We'll talk about the sermon in the context of the Old Testament, the New Testament, some questions and conversation about authority and relevance, because I think those are good building blocks. As we start, I'd love to hear you all on um, preliminary thoughts about the sermon and or thoughts about building that foundation. Do you think it's important to do that? Or not really, let's just jump in kind of. It's okay to have that opinion if you differ with me. I'm still going to make us do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about your, your thoughts on the text. I will start off by saying that my thoughts ebb and flow with passages of scripture all the time, with all of them. But something that has remained constant with the Sermon on the Mount is trepidation for me. Mm. I always, I'm going to like, Really? And I, I know we'll probably talk about it more throughout this series, but something about it I find so heavily convicting. Because mm. I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go past that part of Jesus' ministry, and we can talk about all the other pieces. But that one. I really appreciate your transparency about that. I mean, that resounds with me because. Jesus really isn't pulling any punches in his wording here. And he's setting a high expectation for his disciples. And I think your trepidation and the response that you just said you often feel means you're taking it seriously. 
And I love that. And so I, I really think that that's the spirit in you that says, this is serious. We should really internalize it. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. But God's grace. Right? Yeah. That's a really good. I really appreciate that transparency. Yeah. Ladies. I remember memorizing the Beatitudes when I was in grade school. Wow. Our church had a program on Wednesday afternoons called Sing and Bring. Um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we sang and we did Bible stories and lessons and uh, we memorized scripture. And you know, when you're in grade school, a lot of this stuff doesn't really mean what it does when you're a little <laughs> older. But I, I just remember reading through, reading through, and then get, getting to the part that you're blessed when people insult you and persecute you and uh, make false accusations against you. And that is so counterintuitive mm -hmm. to a kid and to a lot of adults. And I, I still have to remind myself when, when we go through this type of thing in life, which we do, we all do, we have some sort of trials that, as James says, you know, count it all blessing yeah. right as yeah. a blessing and that's again counterintuitive yeah. even as adults but when we remember these things it's a whole lot easier to face what's happening to us in life mm -hmm. and remembering that god's in control yeah even when it looks like things are not right or if they don't feel good which sometimes they aren't and um, we long for justice yeah you're right i i love the note that you embedded in that um, the importance of memorizing scripture like that's I'm sorry I'm just going to say that's the right way to raise kids in church mm -hmm. I think memorizing scripture is like it's a, it's critical critical but doing it with kids I mean you know my kids can still sing songs that they learned at VBS you know there's something about singing also singing and memorizing I love that yeah and it, it um I think that God calls us to really do whatever it takes to be mindful and be able to call upon the word when times get tough. So, And kids learning it, it's so much easier for children to memorize. Yes, I've tried to memorize yeah. new passages at this age, and it is so difficult for me. And yet I can remember stuff I learned when I was five years old. It's in there. There's yeah. sponges. Yeah. Yeah. Why it's critical. Yeah. To do it, and it's raise up a child in the way they should go. Jan. Well, one thing that kind of stopped me in my tracks during the study was when you asked about people in the Old Testament who foreshadowed mm -hmm. Jesus. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year in particular, uh, I've been having an intense study on, earlier this year, uh, Joseph mm -hmm. and on uh, Moses. So a lot of that stuff is fresh. And so I think about things that I can connect uh, by way of Beatitudes, mm -hmm. and there it was. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you read it, and you can see, you can almost hear Joseph saying it, mm -hmm. or you can almost hear uh, Moses saying it. And what was exciting about that was that, um, and it was the first time I had that kind of reaction to it. What was exciting about it was that it just reminded me that he was always there. Mm -hmm. Joseph. 
Old Testament Joseph. Yes. That is a thread I had not considered. What I'm thinking about right now, m- m- I think probably Joseph's maybe most famous, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And that does actually totally reflect the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. I had not thought about that. Yes. That's good. <laughs> yeah, study is good. Yeah, it is. And the Lord will bring a fresh word. And that's what happened with each of us, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by his grace. What are some foundational things you think are important to understand or be thinking about as we launch? Or is there, a, is there a particular way that you typically set your mind or set your foot on the path of a new study? Is there anything that, that we should be mindful of that you, that you have as a habit of starting a study? I think that for me, and it's probably just has a lot to do with my personality and also my personal interests beyond um, my faith, is I like to know a little bit about history mm-hmm. and what's happening, the context. Mm-hmm. Um, even though that hasn't really helped me in terms of this study in general, I find. Yeah, you're right. Knowing what's yeah, happening yeah. In, in the time frame mm-hmm. gives me enough to make Do you find that particularly helpful? I find that particularly helpful in a lot of the Old Testament and also the letters. Yes, the letters, the absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, what is the context here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that's good. But there are some context things and and some some big ones that that um, influence sort of exert themselves on the Sermon on the Mount, and then some smaller ones. So that's a good that's a good framework. Thanks for raising that. How about you guys? Um, just the idea of looking at who this is originally written for, putting it in that context too, mm-hmm. not just the hist. Well, it's it does involve the history, but also thinking about how it applied to them then and how it applies today. Yeah, the situation. Right. Okay. So we will talk about that. I'm going to ask you to say more about that in a little bit. How about you? As as I approach the different studies, I remember that. Um, whether I understand it or not, whether it makes sense or not, that it's for my good. Mm. So if I could just remember, okay, it's for your good, so you're the one who has to do the work. That's really helpful when you're talking about um, that you may be convicted by certain things, and being convicted doesn't always feel great, Mm. but it's for your good. good. Yeah, so there's a partnership between the things you both were talking about. I love that. For sure. Okay, so the first week, the core scripture is just Matthew 5, 1 and 2. So, of course, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6 and 7. But today and this whole week, (laughs) we are focusing on verses 1 and 2. And we're using that as a catapult to uh, really consider, as we talked about a moment ago, really the foundations. So... That passage, if someone could read just one and two. I will. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Perfect. Next week is long because it's the Beatitudes. That's a big old chunk, but this one's short. Well, let me ask you, what's the first thing you noticed? What did he do before he started to teach? Sides open his mouth. He went up. Mm-hmm. He went up on the mountain. And so, uh, thank you. You teed me right up. So I think that a lot of times we, I mean, we love the Beatitudes. We love salt and light. So we're going to jump right in. But there's so much to do with he went up the mountain because it is very 
intentionally familiar because of Moses, who also went up a mountain to meet with the Lord and to bring something to the people. And so it's reminiscent of Exodus 19.3. Does anybody have that? Just a quick, I should have assigned it before. Sorry about that. While you're looking for it, one of the things that we really need to do foundationally here, if we want to really understand the text, how it was received at the time to a Jewish audience, to a Gentile audience, to the, to the disciples, how we're supposed to receive it now, it's really important to make this connection between Jesus and Moses. Because as he goes through, he says things like, I did not come to abolish the law, but to uphold it. And he's really peppering through the entire sermon how he is not against Moses to show the people who have been living under Mosaic law for thousands of years, that he was actually the fulfillment, the culmination, the completion of that law. Because, and as we study on, you can understand why some of the things he says might seem counter to what Moses said. And so it's really, really good for us to start in that foundational position, that orientation to the text as we think of Jesus as the new Moses, the better Moses. I'm going to let you read that. Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the house of Jacob, and what you are to tell the people of Israel. That's Exodus 19.3. Perfect. So again, going up. But we know, right? We know he went up. Moses was a mountain guy, right? (laughs) So Uh we think of Moses, we do think of the mountain. Uh, But there are also other parallels. So... There are 12 tribes in Israel who were charged with upholding and living out the law. There are 12 apostles of Jesus who were charged with making disciples in the new Israel. In both cases, commandments in both Moses and Jesus' case, commandments were given and obedience was expected. We could go all day. And one of the things that, one of the things I like to do when we travel as a family is leave something that we didn't see because that gives you reason to go back. And I little bit do that with Bible studies. So I want to tease some things because I really want people to go in and be like, wait a minute, I want to do a whole thing on Jesus and Moses and the sermon and, and the law and uh, b- you should. That's another study. <laughs> it's, it, it's something that we really should be meditating on and there's more in, in the homework But let me hear your thoughts on the Jesus-Moses parallels. Like, what do you guys have in mind about that? When um, Moses was born, uh, there was um, infanticide against males, uh, Jewish males. And during the time of Christ being born, the same thing happened with Herod, killing all the males under certain age. That's a great one. I hadn't thought of. That's a great one. Yep. I know I was thinking about it last night, and what came to mind is that they did not belong to their mothers. Neither one was raised or either. Their mothers weren't really theirs. Mm. And their parentage. Mm. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Okay. Mm. And Christ tells good. us about that much later on yes. as us being adopted yes. children so we can see that relationship that between Moses, Jesus, and ourselves. That is interesting. At the foot of the mountain, the Israelites pleaded with Moses to be their intercessor so likewise this was the intercessor you're right christ is our that's good our mediator and 
you know, like the Israelites, we should plead with him, be grateful and thankful. Oh my gosh, that's so have good. One. That's so good. Anything else you want to say on the Moses Jesus? Yes, Moses was raised in the royal household, and he shunned that as as an adult and went into the wilderness and took a different life altogether away from royalty. And Jesus left heaven and royalty there to come and um, live a different life for us. (laughs) Amen. Wow, that's great. I think about the um, after they got through the Red Sea and uh, the grumbling started. Mm -hmm. And one of the things they grumbled about, water. And God told him, strike the rock. Rock equals Jesus. Jesus is the rock. Mm. And from it flowed water. For us, that's living water. That's pretty good. (laughs) This is what I'm saying. We could do a whole study on this. Mm And this is just off the top of the dome. Yeah. We're just, just kind of chewing on it. But it's worth really meditating on that. I wish we had time to do everything. Any final thoughts on the Moses Jesus? I love it. Jesus, Go nuts. Jesus brought up on himself in John 3. He talks about as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and that was for the purpose of healing then I'm going to be lifted up too. Ooh, he was lifted on the cross to heal us from our sinful nature. Okay, so why why do you think, I've just said I think it's really important and useful and a blessing to meditate on the similarities between Jesus and Moses. Why do you think that it would be important to meditate on that scripture-wide? So just think, like, is this important is this parallel important? Is this comparison important? Do you think that we are reading into the text? Are we placing something on the text that isn't there? And if it's there, why did God do it? What was he trying to show his people? Moses was so important in the Old Testament. Um, he's credited with writing the first five uh, books of the Bible, but he was such an authority figure and and I assume today for Jewish people today, he's still very much an authority figure, certainly for, for more orthodox Jewish people who follow the law or try to. And um, he's, um, and he's laid down all these rules. Yeah, the <laughs> but, law. But the law, exactly. Uh, and given us the, you know, given the people of Israel, but also passed down to us, um, again, how God wants us to live. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I'm not here to destroy the law. I'm here to fulfill the law. And, and it's just the whole idea that I'm really putting this into a new light um, and I'm showing you how to live this law and make it something that's more than just the drudgery of following rules. Yes. But making it a life worth living. Let me ask you a question, anybody. What is your understanding of the purpose of the law? To expose their sin. Is that a, do we agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hold us, hold us to the standard of God. Show us what his standard really is. Right. And know that we won't meet that standard. Exactly. So in that way, Everything that Moses was about pointed to Jesus was the whole point, right? So Moses and the law are inextricably linked. 
Jesus and the law are inextricably linked. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So I, I think a Moses Jesus, I, mean, I keep saying it, maybe, maybe we should do it, but a Moses Jesus study is a, is a blessing. And it, maybe, maybe you meditate on it, maybe you, maybe you look to trusted teachers, but it's worth considering because it helps us understand the cohesion of the Bible. And it, and it gives us um, what, what I think seminary professors would call an Old Testament um, um, a mess- messianic Old Testament reading. So in light of Jesus, we read the Old Testament completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I think it's really, I love what you raised about Moses was the standard. He was the... Mm-hmm the highest next to God in view of those who were faithful Jews at the time. And so Jesus had to, had to deal with Moses if he was going to be the new standard. He had to address Moses and the law. Um, he actually says the law and the prophets, which uh, we'll talk about in that, in that day of study. But what he means is, when they said colloquially the law and the, and the prophets, they meant the entire Old Testament. And so uh, really, I, I find it really helpful to have that kind of in in view. Um, other thoughts on that? I agree with that. I think especially given when you look at like the latter half of Moses's life, he had already gone on the mountain. He'd already given the Ten Commandments, but he then later falls short. Mm-hmm. And so he does not get to make it into the promised land because he falls short mm. and yet he is still the um pentacle or the idea yeah. that 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 jews of that time and to this day still follow and yet he followed short and so that mm. he continues to point us um, not only to who jesus is but to whom we are moses was considered really wise we would we would consider him to be wise sure. and to really know god and have faith and yet he still fell short. Mm-hmm. So what does that say about us? Oh, that's good. That's good. So good. Okay. Yes. Perfect. Anything else? I think about the, the fact that God, and this sentiment creeps up in almost every conversation I have about the Bible, and that is that God saw fit to preserve it. That, that would be an interesting study how we got from there to here. But anyway. Um, <laughs> that always happens. We always birth like five more studies. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, just thinking out loud. But I anyway, love it. Um, he didn't do that for nothing. So when we read it, and like we have a conversation like we're having now, and how so many of these heroes were ordinary people. Mm-hmm. So... There's no reason why you can't connect, and there's no reason why there can't be a Moses of our time. Oh my gosh, you're leading us right into the next couple okay. of days of study. I love it. That's perfect. Then I'll stop there. No, you, I love you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we will stop there. Hi again, it's Paige. Thanks again for joining us in our study today. 
We hope that you found some great truths to apply to your life and encouragement for your faith as you continue to mature in your walk with Jesus. We here at Study With Friends are modeled more like a small group. We want to encourage you to continue your growth through the local church. If you don't have a church home, we encourage you to find one where the Bible is taught in every situation. Study With Friends is a completely donor-supported ministry. And if we have blessed you, would you consider donating to us? Monthly partnerships are particularly helpful, but no amount is too small. We'd also love to stay connected. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can stream us on the go wherever you are with iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And now you can watch the ladies on YouTube. If all that seems to be a bit too much for you, feel free to email us. You can find our email address on our website, studywithfriends.org. While you're there, you can check out a myriad of other resources we have that are all free for you. We hope you have a great week and we'll see you next time when we study with friends.